Hey everyone, welcome to the Geek Awakens, where the talk is geekier than deciding if the Robert Pattinson Batman reveal is just a really bad cosplay. I'm Mitch, and joining me tonight is Matt. Hello. Tabitha. It's definitely a cosplay. And Lydia. A bad one at that. So, Pickett is not here tonight. He's uh, under the weather, so don't really know what weather it is, if it's snowy or rainy or... I'm sorry. Okay, so for me, with this, I need to see it in light, because this reveal was very dark. Um, he can't go in the Sun Hill Sparkle. <laughs> She's not wrong. But at the same time, it's like, I don't know, I, I didn't hate it. I might change my opinion once I see it, like, in, you know, whatever, but... I'm just questioning the design choices that were made. From the little you see, like, I'm questioning it. I mean, he's got a good jawline in that bat mask, but, like, he does. He looks like some skinny British kid cosplaying as bat... Oh, wait. That's what he's doing. (laughs) (laughs) Never mind. So, if you like uh, good jawlines with your Batman masks... (laughs) (laughs) You about got coffee spit on you from across the the table. Coffee spit take of your life, and it would have all gone directly on your face. (laughs) (laughs) But you know what? I I would have deserved that. Oh, my God. Oh, my gosh. Then be sure to subscribe to us pretty much wherever you get your podcasts, including Stitcher, Spotify, and Podcast Attic. Really like what you hear? Then throw us some scratch on Patreon at patreon.com slash thegeekawakenspodcast. Any questions, comments, or concerns, shoot us an email at thegeekawakenspodcast at gmail.com. So, um, we've got to find another option for money, scratch, something, not scratch. I mean, I've tried to change it, and then you guys are all like, oh, that's even worse than Scratch. So, I mean, what more do you want? I don't feel me? like I've ever said anything is worse than Scratch, <laughs> except whatever that one thing was you said that one time that wasn't actually a word. The one that was uh, made Skrilla? up? Yeah, it's yeah. not a thing. <laughs> we established it was a thing. What's the money in, like, video games called? Like, Mario. Which one do you I want? I don't care. Like, what's Rupees. The... Um, well, yeah. Money spelled M-U-N-N-Y. Oh, there's an idea. Credits. There's an idea. Use forms of uh, yeah. video game money instead of... I'll send you a list. Okay. Thank you. Right. Yeah. Literally do anything to not hear the word scratch again. Because every time you say it, I start humming cat scratch fever in my head. <laughs> <laughs> I always think of chicken scratch. Mm-hmm. I, I got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so if you heard the episode that was released yesterday you'll know that we were at uh, LodgeCon over the weekend uh we actually we just uh recorded a special edition episode which you'll be seeing that uh pretty darn soon uh, but yeah but real quick because i know we kind of talked about it already but like what were your guys's uh feelings thoughts concerns no concerns about LodgeCon because it was fantastic but how, how was your weekend I mean, Good. I love LodgeCon yeah. every year. It just keeps getting better. I'm just amused that it always snows when we're up there. For sure. <laughs> like every year. It just has to now. Yeah. If it doesn't, I'm going to think something's wrong. <laughs> well, we kind of talked about that. Because yeah. there wasn't a whole lot of snow when we got up there. Yeah. And we were like, mm, if it doesn't snow, then something's, something's up. Something's amiss. Our first first year, it had just snowed like 16 something inches in <laughs> yep. the Chicagoland area. And we were like, oh. Yeah. I remember, I remember shooting Patrick a message, being like, uh, "Is this still gonna happen?" 
thing? Yeah. We're totally on board if it is, but <laughs> <laughs> we don't want to get up there and see locked doors. Yeah. But Lodgecom will forever persevere to this day. It, yes. sh- it shall. Yep. It even persevered through lost power. <laughs> it's a snow lodge. Aww. Aww. Yeah, I did. Yep. Yeah, I did. Yeah, we were in the middle of our live show, which um, I, and I left this part in intentionally. <laughs> like in the middle of our show, just bloop, lights out. <laughs> yeah, everything went dark. Just everything. Also, can we talk about for a small con how like there was no panic? We were in a completely blacked out building. There's like you and I were at a panel with Stan Lee at C2E2, and the, the freaking ceiling caught on fire. That's not like. that's like a real thing that happened and like they handled it very well but at the same time there was like some panic that was starting to happen the whole lights go out at LodgeCon and all of a sudden you just see people turn on their flashlights to keep doing exactly what they were doing I didn't hear like a scream or if it was it was probably me there was like a there was like a tiny little oh like the lights went out and then everyone just kind of went about their business that's that's gamers for you though like (laughs) truth they they do not care (laughs) But yeah, so uh, a lot of other things to talk about. So also last weekend were the Oscars. So as we had noted before, uh, Joker was nominated for, I think, what, like 12 Oscars. Mm -hmm. It only ended up winning two. Mm -hmm. Um, It won for Best Actor and then also Best Original Score. Um, I'm slightly bummed that Joker beat out um, John Williams and The Rise of Skywalker. John Williams has enough Oscars. Like the man Especially for like, Star Wars. Using them as I don't even know what now. Like toilet paper. He's using them to like <laughs> lift the table leg that's like too short. Right? But still. Bookends. I don't know. Maybe maybe I don't Maybe because it was his last Star Wars movie yeah. kind that's, of thing. Yeah, yeah that's part of that. it. But also like I, and I don't know, and and I think I'm the only one at the table that's seen Joker still, right? Yeah. Okay. No, I saw Joker. You saw Joker? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, please, like, if you have a different interpretation of this, then please correct me. But, like, I kind of feel like, for me, like, with that movie, like, the score was, like, the last thing on my mind. There were a lot of other things going on in that movie to where, like, this is the most that I've talked about the music for Joker, period. Ever. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I could kind of see it because where where it was prominent, it was good for like keeping the tension and stuff. But overall, it basically was just generic background drama music, I thought. Yeah. So So, um, Joaquin Phoenix, uh, during his acceptance speech, he did use it to raise awareness for things like climate change, animal rights, uh, representational things like that, Um, which that's not unusual. That's what he's been doing for every other time that he's won for this movie. Um, I thought it was an interesting speech. Um, I wasn't really following. I mean, I, I tend to not pay attention to the speeches. It's just who I am. But, um, and then he quoted his brother and he has not publicly talked about River ever. Like usually in articles and things when he's brought up, like he skirts around it. He doesn't say anything. Like he has like never been vocal about it and to literally use a quote from him and then have to walk off stage. I teared up. And that, like, not that I don't cry, but, like, that, like, for me not being paying attention to that, like, that was incredible. Yeah. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. To see the him in his speech with that was kind of, like, it, it was it was cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, but, yeah. So, also, kind of something else away from Joker with the Oscars. Uh, so, Hair Love from Lion Forge Animation won the award for Best Animated Short, 
Uh, not gonna lie, I got really excited when I saw that. <laughs> so did we. Yep. So, cool. so did we. <laughs> yeah, like I, yeah, like uh, my my roommate, like we were watching it together, and like when Hair Love won, he, you know, like I was like, yeah, or something, I don't know. And he just kind of looked at me and was like, what? And then I had to explain <laughs> yeah. why I was excited for this. Yeah, but, we kind of did the same thing. Yeah. Like, okay, this will be cool. This will be cool. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, and it was cool. Like in during that acceptance speech as well. Like it was cool to hear them thank Lionforge, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. Uh, of course you're going to. But right. like, but still, like, hey, you know, this is something that you know we're, you know, we have like affiliation, an affiliation yeah. with. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Um, but yeah, so that was really neat. Um, totally not geeky at all, but something that just kind of popped into my head, mostly because Lin-Manuel Miranda, like, kind of introduced this. Why did Eminem sing, uh, Lose Yourself? That is a wonderful question that I don't have an answer to. Apparently he won some kind of award, like, 18 years ago and didn't come to claim his reward and didn't perform, didn't show up at all. So, like, I don't know why that is. If he just wasn't invited, if he didn't show up for whatever reason. Apparently, he came this year and basically on the, like, anniversary of when he would have got this award. Well, yeah. he's also like, been yeah. trying to turn over a new leaf a little bit in his life, which I think is really cool. Like, I think he's regretting some of the things he did when he was younger and he's trying to make give himself a better image, whether it's for the right reasons or not. And, like... I, it was not what I was expecting, but I think I understand why it happened. Like this was an Oscar spill of pull of like inclusion, and then you have everyone in that audience jamming out to an Eminem song. <laughs> Ten years ago, Eminem would have walked up on that stage and got booed off of it. Yeah, mm. I don't know. I just it I, was random. It was random. I and I think like if it was the twentieth anniversary of Eight Mile or something like that. I would have understood a little bit more, yeah. you know, um, especially if it's just him, you know, like, cause yeah, cause I had heard that where mm. like he didn't, I, the, what I had heard was that like, he didn't want to perform on the Oscars because he didn't want to have to edit himself, mm. which I can understand that. I, yeah. you know, I get behind <laughs> that, but yeah, but like, it's like 17 years after eight mile. Like that's just, it's a random year for that, but it, it is. I was watching those clips of all the songs and you get to the end of that that set of clips, and like, this is a really long bit for "Lose Yourself" from Eight Mile. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, he's standing on the stage. I'm like, huh? I texted my friend, and I was like, "Who invited Eminem to the Oscars? I'm like, whose date is he?" Like, <laughs> but yeah, so the Oscars weren't the only award ceremony um, celebrating movies. This weekend, um, Matt, let's talk about the Razzies. Well, I don't think the Razzies technically have happened yet, but okay. the nominations came out. This is the 40th year for the Razzies. Um, Cats is leading the way this year with nine nominations. Um, for each life. Uh, 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 <laughs> he's not even in the well, he's technically in the room, but he's <laughs> out of the room and still gets a shame. I'm just curious if that even like picked up on any of the microphones. We're gonna find out. <laughs> uh, um, Hellboy earned five, um, and Joker, despite all of its Oscar nominations, also was nominated for a Razzie. Um, just to go over some of them, worst picture includes Cats, A Medea Family Funeral, and Rambo: Bad Blood. I forgot any of those movies came out this year. <laughs> uh, Even Cats? 
I mean, I watch Cats. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> worst actor includes David Harbour for Hellboy and John Travolta for The Frantic and a Trading Paint. It's a, kind of a double nomination and he only counts once. Um, worst actress, Hilary Duff, Anne Hathaway, Tyler Perry as Medea. <laughs> Um, and then Rebel Wilson also for her role in The Hustle. Uh, we're supporting actress Jessica Chastain from Dark Phoenix. Um, Judy Dench and Rebel Wilson for Cats. Uh, worst supporting actor James Corden in Cats. Tyler Perry as himself and Bruce Willis. Worst screen combo. Now, I'm just going to read all five of these because they're hilarious. Um, any two half feline slash half human hairballs from cats. <laughs> Jason Derulo and his CGI neutered bulge cats. Oh. Tyler Perry and Tyler Perry or Mattia family funeral. <laughs> so this one, this one's fantastic. Sylvester Stallone and his impotent rage. <laughs> Rampant oh. last blood. And the best one of all, John Travolta and any screenplay he accepts. Oh my god! <laughs> oh, so, all right. Um, but then Joker's nomination comes in um, one final category for worst reckless disregard for human life and public property. Oh, uh, Joker and Hellboy are both nominated in that category. That is oddly specific. It is. <laughs> I was going through the list of nominees. I'm like. Where's the Joker? Where's Joker? Oh, what? <laughs> I feel like they made that category just for those two movies. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I read this is going to be the first year that The Rise is actually going to be televised, right? Not um, that we're going to be able to see because it it's on some kind of random channel. It is some random like streaming channel or something. Yeah. But yeah they're going to be like some sort of televised form of Razzies. Yeah. So that's cool. Um, let's move on to we're going to do the Baby Yoda news desk uh, just a little early this week. Oh, so uh, <laughs> before the Oscars, Oscar Isaacs was being interviewed by MTV because evidently getting interviewed by MTV is still a thing. Who knew? Um, and the interviewer apparently kind of pouted at Oscar Isaacs and he made a comment that he wanted to kill Baby Yoda. And I've watched the video, and I don't care that he was kidding. I will still fight him to the death. Um, <laughs> his response was, you do the sad baby Yoda face to me. I mean, how can I say no? And then went on to say, then I saw it, and I wanted to kill it. So what does that say about your face? Whoa. Oh. Shots that's, fired. That's intense. Yeah. Super rude. Like I said, it was <clears throat> super obvious that he was kidding. Like, whatever. But after I had to witness a stormtrooper punch baby Yoda, like... <laughs> I don't need Poe Dameron threatening to kill Baby Yoda. We gonna fight. Yeah, I'm. I'm not on board with this. I mean, I'm. I've sung Oscar Isaac's praises many a times, but like, <laughs> I. I don't know. I don't know if this is a deal breaker or not. Are you like a blood feud now? Maybe. <laughs> I mean, I can't. Like, really, like you can't. You can't make me choose between Baby Yoda and like BB-8's dad. Like, you can't make me choose that. <laughs> it's not fair. Mitch is conflicted. I'm very conflicted. <laughs> Baby Yoda forever. Yes. Yeah. Oh, what about Baby BB-8? Oh my god. Aww. It's like a little tiny droid that's yes. all orange because it hasn't like... Sprouted? <laughs> yeah. Is that a thing? Don't, don't ever say sprouted again. That's not how droids work. <laughs> Shh. <laughs> <laughs> so, when it grows up, it's going to be an AT-AT. Aww. Aww. A really big 
Is it still going to be round, though? I don't know. How does that work? They don't grow anyway, so it doesn't have to make sense. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I've started something that I should not have started. That's not unusual. No. No, not at all. So we're going to move on. Um... We got an update from uh, Asia Dai and V. Amber Miller, uh, who act- incidentally are LodgeCon, LodgeCon uh, alumni. Yeah. Uh, so they uh, have an update on their Project Aegis uh, Kickstarter. It's um, which, if you're not familiar with this, this tells the story of nine strangers who are recruited by the gods uh, to learn how to fight. And then these people are also drawn together in part because of their past lives. So this is going to be issue two of this series. And it's currently sitting at just under $800 of their $1,800 goal. Um, and then this Kickstarter will be up until March 6th. Okay. So um, so uh, Asia and Amber will also be at uh, WanCon in Chicago and then also the MAPLD Fan Fest in Madison. Um, so be on the lookout. Uh, <clears throat> I tried to find dates for both of those. I couldn't. Um, but yeah, so be on the lookout for that. And if you see them, say hi, uh, buy their stuff. They're really cool. So um, we also we got a chance to preview a couple of new books. Uh, the first one is Seven Days, number five from Lion Forge. I meant to ask you guys off air. Did you all get a chance to read that? Yes, I did not. OK. All right. So um, so, Matt, it'll be uh, just you and me on this one. So this for me, I feel like this book continues to uh, throw surprises and curves our way. And I think that this is going to be setting, setting up something really big. Uh, I don't want to get too spoiler heavy because, like I said, this actually comes out, I believe, next week. Next week. Yeah, that sounds right. Um. So, yeah. So but I just I really enjoyed myself with this. I had a lot of fun with it. I feel like uh, the mix between Quinn Credible, Amina and Cosmosis might be my favorite part of this entire series. Um, and then if also like if they all make it out of this, uh, I would pay really good money to see like a team up series between the three of them. That would be fantastic. <laughs> so uh, what were your thoughts about it? Now, I had to catch up because I didn't get, I think, three and four. Um, we either previewed those or talked about them. Um, so I had to catch up a little bit to read five. It does. This 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 series continues to impress and it just I don't know. I, I go through this and I keep thinking about how I really feel like the big publishers should kind of take notice on how this event is going because the interaction between characters is fantastic. You're mixing groups like the, most of these heroes are uh, they have their own comics, mm-hmm. um, but they're being mashed together, you know, to fight this force um that you know comes unexpectedly and just the balance between the characters the action the information um and everything just continues to drive forward um it's it's just fantastically well done and i can't wait to like i'm i'm almost sad knowing that we're on five and we've got two more to go Mm -hmm. and something even bigger than we've already had happen is going to happen and I'm not sure I'm ready for it. Yeah. And you made a really good point. Like one of the things I really like about this series, and this is not something that I would ever expect Marvel or DC to do just because like there's, there's just no way that they would do that. But yeah, but with Lion Forge, like, and with Catalyst Prime, like this is the only Catalyst Prime title that's out right now. Yeah. So you're not dealing with 
this series, but then you also have, you know, a superb tie-in and an Excel tie-in and a Noble tie-in forcing you to buy all these comics. Uh, And I get why publishers do that. Right. So that you can kind of like maybe check out another hero that you otherwise wouldn't, you know, wouldn't read, but it gets daunting. It does. And those, those massive events do. And also at the same time, like I don't necessarily need the side story for absolutely everybody that's not in every panel at every single moment. Mm-hmm. You can like, uh, this would be one of those things where like, I don't, I don't care how a certain character ends. Like at this point, like when this event is over, like I would be willing to go out and pick up noble to see where noble picks up and, and goes from, mm-hmm. um, you know, well, you know, we've read some Quinn, Quinn credible. We've read early cause, uh, Superb, superb. Um, but this is one of those that would like it would drive me back if I, which we've kind of fallen away from that. But I would go back and I would pick up superb. Like I feel like that should be something that these events do is to drive you towards those other titles instead of making you like, oh my god, I'm overwhelmed. I can't read all of these plus the main story. Exactly, exactly. And you know, and I kind of feel like doing it this way like having this be the sole Catalyst Prime book out right now, like I feel like it makes the stakes even higher for this, you know, mini series. Yes, absolutely. So like I said, this will be out February 19th. So if you, I feel like I say this every time we talk about seven days, if you haven't, if you're not caught up, get caught up, read this. It's a lot of fun. Yep. Um, Also coming out from vault on uh, February 26th is finger guns. We've talked about it a lot. Uh, This is, we got a chance to read the first issue. Did everybody get a chance to read this? Mm-hmm. Yes. I had a lot of fun with this. Uh, this was wonderful. Let me, you know what, since, um, let's, let's start with, uh, you two, Tabitha and Lydia. What, what were your thoughts on it? Um, this is, it wasn't what I was expecting. Like, I know we've talked about this a couple of times, but I, I think I was expecting something a little bit more like hokey. And this was like some serious content, but with like a little like magical element thrown in. Not what I was expecting at all, but I really, really want to see where this goes. I agree. Um, it wasn't quite what I was expecting. We've talked about this a lot. And when I first started reading it, it was, it took me a minute to get into it because it kind of just throws you into like him just going on shooting people with his fingers. Like you don't really understand what's going on with it at first. But then, like you said, it gets like really heavy, really quick. And I'm very interested to see where this goes from here. Matt, what were your thoughts? Vault, along with Lion Forge and Oni Press, um, and maybe it's because they're smaller presses, they are able to take these, not necessarily risks, but these jumps. But this is one of those where you get some very heavy social commentary and some some serious um, like almost family issues, if you will, mm-hmm. that go with some of these characters. Um, and it's not stuff that you see in the major publishers, um, but we we have seen it with Lionforge, we've seen it with Oni Press, um, and we're seeing it here with Vault. And I really appreciate that that they're able to do that in, in like naturally. None of that ever feels forced. Um, and this is another one of those scenarios where it just it it's included as part of the story. It's integral to the story. And I'm intrigued to see how it all wraps together. Yeah. I, you know, I really thought that this was just, it was a really good introduction to uh, our two main characters, Wes and Sadie. Uh, I I did like the idea of learning, like learning about Wes's powers kind of along with him, you know, Um, Sadie, 
already has kind of an understanding of it. He's just had a little bit more of a grasp. Um, but it'll be kind of interesting to see, too, also how these characters kind of counterbalance each other. Yeah. Um, without going into too much detail, it's it's interesting to see, like, how they almost feed off of each other a little bit. Yeah. But, yeah, you're absolutely right. Like, some of these – this was a fun – it was a fun book. And, yeah, it's like I, I feel like this first issue wasn't – too serious but i feel like it's setting up for some real heavy material later yeah. on so uh so that'll be out like i said uh february 26th so let's go ahead and get into some gut reaction and we're gonna start with um something that we talked about on our live show at LodgeCon with uh, birds of prey and the fantabulous emancipation of one Harley Quinn. That's not a thing anymore. So after it earned 33 million of the projected 50 to 55 million that it was expected to earn, um, AMC Regal and Cinemark's websites now list the movie just as Harley Quinn colon birds of prey. Um, it's not confirmed, but speculation is that filmgoers might not be aware that Harley is the focus of this film. Uh, I'm giving this a thumbs down, kind of like what I had talked about um, during LodgeCon uh, and something that I talked about with some other people. Like, I don't think that this $33 million is completely awful. I think that for a February movie when like people don't go to the movies a lot anyway, it's still won the weekend. I think that people are panicking for really no reason. Um, and also how can you say that, how can you have paid attention to any of this marketing and not realize that Harley <laughs> Quinn is the focus of this movie? So thumbs down, whatever, Lydia. Yeah. What you said, thumbs down. It, there's no way that you've seen anything about this movie and didn't realize that Harley was the center of it. Tabitha. Yeah. You read off that extra long title. They gave it like, what else would this be about? Also, when I go to the movies, it's very rare that I walk in. I'm like, Hmm, what's the seven o'clock show? Like I go with the plan. I use the internet. Like who just walks into a theater these days and picks a movie? Like nobody. No one. Like I, I don't have any desire to see this. I mean, you guys all know my feelings on Harley Quinn. I don't care if she's left the Joker or not. Um, too little, too late, girl. Um, but thumbs down for them trying to remarket something that didn't need to be remarketed. Also, I'm kind of thinking that the remarketing is more of a marketing ploy because you're right. It's not a bad, it's not a bad introductory weekend, but bringing attention to the fact that they want to make more money, I think is helping them make more money. So it kind of feels like a sleight of hand on their, like on their part. Ooh, Matt. Um, I read an article that says that, yeah, obviously this is not the first movie to have its title change. I mean, Star Wars Raiders of the Lost Ark are two of the most famous movies ever that actually changed names after their original release. I don't think this is gonna, really going to make a difference. Um, and I, I, I don't really see the point because, like we've said, you know, if you paid any attention to this movie, you know that Harley Quinn is the center. So thumbs down. Uh, Tabitha, let's turn to Turner and Hooch. I did not plan that. Turn to Turner and Hooch. I didn't even catch it, so good job. Um, <laughs> Disney Plus is coming out with a Turner and Hooch series inspired by the 1989, if that doesn't make you feel old, Tom Hanks movie of the same name. Um, this is the only movie that has made me cry so hard that I actually vomited. So oh I'm my god. Be watching this movie or this TV show. Oh my god. Um Turner will be solving crimes with his trusty canine hooch. Um Josh Peck from Drake and Josh will be playing Turner <laughs> because that's the world we live in now. 
And I'm assuming like the world's cutest dog will be playing hooch. Um, there are going to be 12 one hour long episodes. We have no release date or anything like that. Um, thumbs sideways. I like the movie, but there's a certain spot where if I don't turn it off, I'm, I'm gone forever. I have to call into work for like the next three days just so my face can stop being swollen. Um, I won't be watching it because I know myself, but I like the idea of bringing it Back, even though it's not an original idea and I really need some original ideas so eh. Matt yeah, I'm gonna go thumb sideways just I mean the original is the original this is another one of those things like why are we updating this rebooting it bringing it back because we don't have any ideas and this is easier so thumb sideways yeah I'm gonna give this a thumb sideways I just I've honestly I don't even think I've ever seen Turner and Hooch but um <laughs> But yeah, so like, I don't know. Regardless, I don't know how I feel about Josh Peck being Turner. I mean, it's you can't replace Tom Hanks. No. Colin Hanks? <laughs> it basically looks like I Tom get. Hanks. Who? <laughs> no. He's still, not, he's still not his dad. He's not a perfect um, Lydia. Yeah, thumbs sideways. I'm also wondering about like their whole bringing it back and all. But the the Josh Peck part that kind of intrigues me, honestly. <laughs> Matt, let's talk about a Marvel tie-in. So, as we've talked about numerous occasions, um, Marvel is doing a new crossover. They will have new tie-ins. Uh, <clears throat> one of which is going to be. Uh, well, the new crossover is called Empire. This one is uh, Empire Thor. It's a three-issue miniseries. Honestly, the most interesting part to me about this is who's writing this. Uh, it is going to be Ram V, who has written Justice League Dark and also has worked on These Savage Shores, which we have read an issue or two of. Um, so that intrigues me alone. Um, artwork is going to be Pasquale Ferry. Obviously, it's going to be a tie-in to the main event. Um, yeah, Thor must defend Midgard, blah, 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 blah. Fight is personal, blah, blah, blah. Kree and skulls, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. I mean, it's the same story over and over again. Um, again, like, the only thing that has me interested in this is after reading some of these Savage Shores, seeing what this, see what Ram can do with this tie-in. Overall, I'm going to have to go thumbs sideways. Um I'm going to go thumbs down on the tie-in. I'm going to go thumbs up on the writer. So thumbs sideways is where I fall. Fair. Um, yeah, I, I'm going to have to give this a thumbs down just in general. And this does not say anything to, to the writer. Cause I know what I read of these Savage Shores I enjoyed. Um, but at the same time, it's like all these like <laughs> events and everything, like they're burning me out of comic books. If I'm going to be a hundred percent honest yep. and I don't want that to happen. So, um, that said, I will probably end up because uh, yeah, that's just what I do. <laughs> Lydia? I'm kind of indifferent. I don't have any real knowledge about this, so thumb sideways. Tabitha. Yeah, this is one of the reasons I don't read single-issue comics, and I don't let myself get super immersed in the comic. Like, if I read a comic, it's from, like, a graphic novel or, like, something short that's not going to have 500,000 tie-ins and 300 other things that I have to read. Like, that is daunting to me. Mm -hmm. Like, you do that with a book series and I get overwhelmed. You do that with comics and I, I read 30 pages. I got to wait two to three, like a week, yeah. two weeks to read 30 more pages. Then you're going to tell me I got to read 60 other comics to figure out what happened. And these guys, like, no, just no, stop it. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of Marvel, um, this summer, Marvel is um, 
putting out um, a mini or a new series called The Marvels. It calls it, uh, quote, the most sprawling series to ever hit the Marvel Universe. And that it's a smorgasbord of Marvel heroes and history. It's not a team. It's a concept or a universe, depending on how you look at it. It's going to encompass characters and stories from the past and future. And will also feature both popular and obscure characters. See what I just said about the tie-ins. Thumbs down. Lydia. Thumbs sideways. Tabitha. Yeah, I agree with what I said the last time about the tie-ins. So, no. <laughs> Matt. Also, for comic book series, I think this concept is too grandiose for single issue situation um if you want to do this as a not necessarily a one shot but like as a one thing like a one-time graphic novel maybe but as individual individual issues too big of an idea thumbs down uh lydia Let's uh, sticking with comics. Let's talk about a new Batman the Animated Series comic. Yes. So um, Bruce Tim, who was uh, the co-creator for the Batman animated series, is um, going to be helping work on a new Batman series with uh, writer Alan Burnett and artist Ty Templeton. Um, it's going to be called Batman The Adventure Continues. It is a six-issue miniseries, and the first one is coming out digitally on, in April and then in comics on May 6th. Um, I don't know a whole lot about comics in general, um, but I do know that I've seen some of the animated stuff, so it's really cool to see someone from that aspect of it helping with comic series i also know some people that are really excited about this so i'm going thumbs up Tim. yeah i i also don't i mean obviously i just said i don't read english comics but um i think it's really cool that they're bringing in animators from the show mm. to do the comics because then it feels more inclusive to the people who only watch the show so thumbs up Matt. i mean this cartoon was is iconic as far as Batman goes. Um, you know, as much as you could, you know, Kevin Conroy vo voicing this Batman is a lot of people's Batman because of this series. Um, so to bring in those animators for this series, awesome. I like the idea that it's a limited run, six issues. Um, this would be something that I would pick up because I did. I grew up on a cartoon. So thumbs up. Yeah, I'm also going to give this a thumbs up. Um, <clears throat> I was never a huge fan of the uh, animated series. I, it was a, it was a show that I would watch here and there, but it's not something that, like I raced home from school to watch. That said, uh, it is a fantastic cartoon, and um, yeah, to see, especially the the co-creator of the animated series, to be a part of this, that sounds awesome. So yeah, thumbs up. Uh, Tabitha, let's get a hotel in space. So the International Space Station is making plans to include a privately owned module to host astronauts and tourists in 2024. So the ISS is going to be decommissioned eventually. And before it is decommissioned, um, NASA has hired Axiom Space, which they were actually chosen as the winner of a prize that, or like a competition that was put out there, um, to do Next Step to Appendix I, which is like the most governmental name I've ever heard in my entire <laughs> life. Um, they're going to be building a commercial space station attachment and research platform for when ISS is eventually decommissioned. And then once ISS is decommissioned, it will separate from this new thing, and this new thing will then be in replacement for research for the ISS. But additionally, it's going to be a hotel, hmm. kind of, effectively. Um, it's only going to be for super rich people. So 
either those people just have a death wish or way too much money. Um, Axiom will actually be hosting shuttles that go back and forth between here and old ISS, because I refuse to call it Next Step to Appendix I. Um, I just, I refuse. I'm so sorry. Um, but you just did. I know. It's just, it's so many words. Um, I am, I am, I am not for the privatization of space. I will stay off my soapbox at this table. <laughs> um, NASA is extraordinarily underfunded. I understand why this would be a draw for them, but stop it. Just, just stop it. Thumbs down. Matt. I mean, this is going to be only for the super hyper rich. And this would be something that people that aren't super hyper rich would think would be a really cool experience. Um, so thumbs down. Yeah. First off, uh, you all know I'm not ever going to be rich enough to do this anyway. But also, you also know that um, I hate flying. <laughs> <laughs> so... You better believe that even if I do somehow become like a billionaire, that I'm not going to spend the millions of dollars to fly into space. So no, thumbs down all the way. No, thank you, Lydia. I'm not going to lie. My first thought when you said all this was Xenon, but no, I have that stuff in my head. Yep. Yeah. Anyway, um, <laughs> before we start singing Protozoa, um, yeah, I'm. This is just. It's going to be for rich elite people, and I'm not about it. And thumbs down. Uh, Matt, let's go to Southern Book Club. Um, so Grady Hendrix is kind of becoming a bigger name in horror um, horror novels. Um, and his upcoming novel, which doesn't release until April 7th, The Southern Book Club's Guide to Slaying Vampires, already has sold the TV rights. Um, there's no network for it, but Deadline claims that there was a 10-buyer bidding war for this wow. for the, the rights. Um, it was acquired by Patrick Morin's PKM Productions. Uh, Hendrix is going to serve as an executive producer along with Brett Cohen, who is the president of the publisher Quirk Books. So it should have some actual backing to it. It's not just going to be this in name. Um, in general, this is the sequel to My Best Friend's Exorcism. Um, Hendrix is quoted as saying, none of the same characters reoccur, but it takes place in the same neighborhood where I grew up. Only a few years later, and this time instead of being about the kids, it it's about the parents. Um, I haven't read My Best Friend's Exorcism. It's on my TV read list. Um, knowing that this is a sequel and the TV rights have sold, it's going to move it way up on my list to read. Um, I think it sounds fun, so thumbs up. Yeah, you, you're absolutely right. I've never heard of either of these before, and <laughs> but yeah, that sounds a, like a lot of fun. Definite thumbs up. Lydia? Same. Never heard of it, but just the title, My Best Friend's Exorcism, sounds like something that I want to read. <laughs> so, <laughs> thumbs up. Definitely. I have read My Best Friend's Exorcism, and it's fantastic. Like, just Mitch, it's up your alley. Like, if you ever sit down to read a book, like the actual book cover is made to look like a 1980s beat up VHS. Yep, nice. That's so cool. Yeah, it's it's incredible. It it is what Ready Player 1 tried to do but set in the 80s kind of in a way. Like mm -hmm. it brings in like a bunch of references and you have your Valley Girl speak and it's just fantastic. I haven't read this book obviously it's not coming out. It hasn't come out yet, but I love the inclusion of authors when movies are being made, TV shows anything like anything being done like them being included giant thumbs up. So Sylvester Stallone and Michael Bay are teaming up for the dystopian sci-fi Little America. Stallone will be a t retired army ranger searching Obviously. through a dystopian landscape to find the daughter of a wealthy man. I don't like any of the words that I just said. Thumbs down, <laughs> Lydia. Does this man do anything else? 
That, that's all I want to know. Which one, Stallone or Bay? I, yeah. <laughs> Thumbs down. Tabitha. I should have been more prepared. I should have just played the Michael Bay noise. <laughs> There's no. a Michael Bay noise? Oh, okay. Michael Bay noise. Got it. Thumbs, thumbs way down. Michael Bay needs to be... Is there like a license to make movies? <laughs> if there is, it should be worth though. Matt, you lost me after Sylvester Stallone and Michael Bay. Thumbs down. <laughs> Matt, uh, let's talk about the uh, new Samsung Galaxy Z. Uh, Galaxy? Galaxy? Wow. Oh <laughs> um... Samsung had scheduled their unpacked keynote for February 11th, but before that happened, uh, during the Oscars, there was a Samsung commercial which they essentially unveiled their Galaxy Z flip phone. Um, it's the foldable. It's different than the Galaxy Fold. Um, this one looks more like a razor. Um, the ad showed the phone sitting on a table at a 90-degree angle, supposedly ideal for video chatting. Um, they showed us the phone folded, which isn't completely flat like the new Razer, um, which does fold completely flat. Um, but apparently the Razer has been plagued by creaky hinges. So maybe not folding flat will solve that problem. I don't know. Um, there is a small print on the ad that says, you may notice a small crease in the center of the main screen, which is a natural characteristic of the screen. It's fine. It'll no, it won't be fine. Um, there's also a small screen on the outside, which is very small, but is in color. I just don't like I think it's cool that they unveiled this via commercial before their unpacked event um, and all the details. So kind of like, ooh, ah, but at the same time, like, what? I, I don't know that this needs to be a thing at all. So thumbs down. I'm going to give this a thumb sideways. Um, I uh, first off. I think that we all forget just how fun it was to close the flip phone, <laughs> especially like if you're ending a very angry conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, so on the one hand, like that makes me excited. And I'm not saying that I wouldn't ever get this, but like I I feel like something like this, it's with a different kind of like, I don't want to say technology, but like a different kind of design or whatever. I'm going to wait a couple models for them to iron out all their bugs. So thumb sideways, Lydia. I'm just amused by the fact that they're like, you might notice this in th- the screen. It's meant to be that way. No, it wasn't. You just couldn't figure out how to fix it. So that's your cover story. <laughs> But yeah, I agree with you on that. Like I miss like actually being able to hang up the phone like without having to push a button. But other than that, I'm not sure if they completely know what they're doing with this. So um, thumb sideways. Tabitha. I will forever say the only thing good Samsung is uh, the only thing Samsung is good at creating is bombs. Um, but also, if I had this, I would break this in about seven seconds. I am super hard on my phone. Like I am just super hard on my phone but your girl did appreciate a good sassy hangout with the click so, <laughs> but still thumbs down i can't i can't imagine myself with this i would i would literally break this before i got out of the store with it so the last story for gut reaction uh take this with a huge grain of salt this is just a rumor but it was still kind of something like i kind of want some other opinions on it so uh, apparently Seth MacFarlane and NBC are in talks to buy the Star Trek franchise from CBS. Um, it would air on NBC streaming service Peacock. From what I've read, like talks might have even fallen by this point. But I, d- I don't know how I feel about it. I, I, 
I'm going to have to give this a thumb sideways, mostly because, um, A, with Seth MacFarlane, I th- feel like he's doing a great thing with the Orville. And even though I realize he did the Orville because he wanted to do Star Trek and Star Trek was like, nah, bro. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like if he were to buy Star Trek, I feel like the Orville would just kind of go away. And I don't want that to happen. Um, at the same time, like with this, like, First off, they would have to make sure, like, for me to even be kind of on board with it, they'd have to get both the television and the movie rights because we just got those back. Um, And also, like, if you're going to do this, I don't want it on a streaming service. Put it on the actual television, please. So, uh, I, you know what? I said thumbs sideways. I'm going to go thumbs down. Lydia. Yeah, I feel like if it is an actual thing, I feel like he's just trying to do it because they were just like, nah, we don't want you. Go away. So I think it's just kind of like... Well, then in that case, I'm just going to buy you. That doesn't sound like a good reason to me. Leave Star Trek where it is. It'd be nice to down. have that enough money to do to that, do that like, though, wouldn't it? Oh, you told me no. I'm just going to buy you. <laughs> to have I mean, not to doubt Seth, Seth MacFarlane's like, bank account, but like, does Seth MacFarlane have that kind of <laughs> bankroll, or am I just underestimating Seth MacFarlane? I mean, he's beautiful and wonderful, but like, <laughs> does he have that kind of money? Not asking for any particular reason. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I am super behind on the Orville, but I am torn, because if he got Star Trek and could do what he's done with the Orville with Star Trek... That would make me extraordinarily happy because I feel like he would do a terrific job, especially given what he's done with Orville. But I agree with you. I would not want the Orville to go away or get lost in the shuffle. So I'm going to go thumb sideways. Matt. I think there are essentially just too many moving parts with this for it to all in all be a good idea. The the whole idea is intriguing, though. So I'm going to go thumb sideways. Tabitha, I don't know. Is this officially part of the Lynn manuel Miranda news desk? Um, this is just a very random tidbit of news that I feel like we needed to cover that I didn't cover last week or whenever I... Oh, was that at LodgeCon that we talked about? Did, uh, yes. Hamilton? Okay. Yeah. Uh, Hamilton, the film. Um, <laughs> Disney paid $75 million for the worldwide rights to release Hamilton, the film. Good Lord! Like, I know you're Disney, and... Praise be to Lynn Manuel Miranda's bank account, but $75 million. Like, how desperate were you to be the ones that got to release this? That's going to make them so much more money yeah. than that. Yeah. And I understand <laughs> it, but like, still, when you, when you stick a price tag on this, like, that's nuts to me. Like, yeah. this was a Broadway musical. But Disney was like, gimme, 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 here's $75 million. Like, what, like, how does that happen? Like, <laughs> all based off of a musical that when people first heard about it went, huh, that's never going to work. Right. Like, that when it was first released, before it hit actual Broadway, people were like, no, this is, this should go away. And they, like, almost didn't put it on Broadway when it was off Broadway. Like, this is just, this is like a, I, this is mind-blowing to me. Like, <laughs> Like, I knew they paid a lot, but, like, when they put a price sticker on it, now I, I have, like, sticker shock. I'm like, hey, okay. <laughs> I mean, they're going to make at least half of that back with just movie sales to me, so, I mean, I get it. But, like, whew. You got that much money to spend on movie tickets, Tabitha. We need to talk. I'll find it, Lydia. I'll find it. <laughs> are, are, are we robbing a bank? Shit. Oh. <laughs> Legally, we can't talk about that anymore. Um... Mitch's whole life is falling apart. <laughs> <laughs> Part of 
part of that was me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I just assumed it was Mitch. <laughs> I mean, I mean if you want to blame him, it's fine. <laughs> Fair assumption. <laughs> um, Matt, let's talk about uh, Mark Ruffalo and an adaptation of an Oscar winner. Yeah. Are we still on gut reaction? No. Because no. this gets a huge thumbs down. Um, so apparently Collider has uncovered that HBO is preparing a series adaptation of the Oscar award-winning movie Parasite. Um, and now they are in talks with Mark Ruffalo to star in this series. Um, <clears throat> now, it is also rumored that uh, Bong Joon-ho, who is the writer-director of Parasite, is actually the one that contacted Ruffalo about his role in this series, and he is attached to be an executive producer. This is one of those things like I still just have to give it a huge thumbs down. I, I can't I can't get behind this because this is a South Korean film. It won four Oscars essentially out of nowhere. Like it wasn't expected to take pretty much any of the Oscars that it won. And I feel like this is a film that even though I have not seen should be viewed in its original format, even if it's with subtitles, because there's some there's a reason it was made there with that cast at that time. All of those things like come together to make it the Oscar-winning film that it is. You make it a limited edition series with Americanizing it and putting Mark Ruffalo at the head. It's not going to be the same. The story's not going to be the same, even if you know, the original director and writer is attached to this. It's just not going to be, they're going to Americanize it and it's going to lose some of stuff's going to be lost in translation. Exactly. Exactly. So if, if you want to know what parasite is about, find a way to see the original film. Don't wait for this bastardized HBO version. I, I don't know. I just, it drives me nuts that this is another one of those things. Like, I feel like it's one, it's a money grab. Oh, absolutely. <clears throat> Hey, especially now that it's an Oscar winning film, they're like, hey, look what we're going to do. It just. Ugh. All right. I'm getting off my soapbox. I saw a thing on the Internet today that basically <laughs> summed this up. If you're not smart enough to read the subtitles, you're not smart enough to watch the movie anyway. Right. Yeah. Like. It, it, you're completely right with the whitewashing thing. But at the same time, this was the first non-English speaking film to ever win Best Picture. Yeah. Like. Give it a freaking second yes. before you're like, oh, hey, here's the Mark Ruffalo version. <laughs> oh, the, the quote from uh, Bong Joon-ho says, once you overcome the one inch tall barrier of subtitles, you will be introduced to so many more amazing films. True. And yeah. it's so true. Yeah. Just we don't need to whitewash it. We don't need to Americanize it just to make more money off of it. Go see the original learn from the original yeah yeah so um tabitha let's talk about the reaper of death okay so you <laughs> oh <laughs> no one's gonna ring that bell on my behalf you <laughs> i was waiting for it to go flying in his face honestly so i was just waiting to see what Why happened pick it up <laughs> I would count that defense, as a rage shame, though. In my defense, I'm not allowed to touch that. He's not wrong. You're right. <laughs> anyway, 
Y'all know I'm a giant science, science nerd. Um, Jared Voris of the University of Calgary uh, was a student chilling in the Alberta Royal Museum of Paleontology and found some fossils that he couldn't figure out what they were a couple of years ago. And it turns out uh, that those have been identified as the first Canadian Tyrannosaur. Hmm. Yeah. Huh. Um, Canadian dinosaur? Hey. <laughs> I hate you all. Um, <laughs> 26 feet in length. Um, and the name is, I'm not even going to try it. There's so many vowels in that. But it's essentially Greek for the reaper of death. The Nautothera something. Yep, exactly. Um, it is Stickier aged... than maple syrup. The Nautotheristus, I think. Yep, sure. <laughs> what Lydia said. Um, it's aged at approximately 79 and a half million years old which is one of the oldest fossils that's ever been found. Um, this is really cool for, I, this is something I never thought I'd say. It's really cool for Canada. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm proud of you, Canada. I'm proud of you, Canada. I'm happy for Yay, you. Like, Canada. This is, like, this has been all over the news. I like subscribe to a lot of like scientific journals and this has been like a huge thing. Also, this student just happened to find these bones and was like, these don't look right. These look weird. Oh, cool. Different kind of dinosaur. But in my head, <laughs> I am fully on board with the fact that dinosaurs were probably actually hovered in feathers. So now I'm just seeing like this giant chicken that's 26 feet long. <laughs> <laughs> that's called the Reaper of Death, and it makes me super happy. <laughs> now, did any of these articles say like how many mooses tall this uh, Reaper of Death is? No, I don't uh, know how many mooses as tall it was. I'm so sorry. Dang it. Um, I did see a uh, reconstruction because what they found was jawbone. And I saw a reconstruction of how long the jaw, like, this thing is, was terrifying. And like most tyrannosaurs that are found, it had marks on its face from getting in fights with other dinosaurs. Yeah. Like, <clears throat> that's my favorite part of paleontology. Like, you can dig it up and it's still got battle wounds. Like, that's fantastic. <laughs> so, uh, we have just a couple more stories. Um, Matt... I'm really mad at you for oh. this other this story that you uh, gave us because this video was like nine and a half minutes long and I ugly cried for about eight and a half minutes of it. Yeah, I honestly watched uh, very little of it and then I just I, I shut this off um, because <sighs> this is one of those things like even as a parent, this idea makes me angry. Basically what it is, is that NBC documentary uploaded a video, uh, which is a nine and a half, 10 minute clip from a South Korean documentary that aired on February 6th. In this clip, it shows Jang Ji-sun, who is um, a South Korean woman, interacting through VR with a rendering of her daughter who died in 2016 at the age of seven from an incurable disease. Now, there are companies out there that are researching, experimenting with VR um, as this as a possible way to interact with lost loved ones. Um, in the video, she spends some time like on a picnic with her daughter. Um, she's able to play with her and she even hears an approximation of her daughter's actual voice um, using a headset and haptic gloves. As a parent, I can only, I mean, I can only fathom 
the pain and anguish of losing a child. One of the things this article pointed out is that there are some serious psychological and emotional concerns with this whole idea. Um, and that something like this is going to cause problems when it comes to the grieving process. Absolutely. Um, and it could negatively, negatively affect that. Like it's, I mean, I, Oh, it's going to be like a Miraverisid type thing. People are going to cling to it because it's all they have left and they're not going to move on. They're just going to stay right there. Exactly. And that's, that's what makes me so essentially so angry about this. Like, and this is like the first thing I thought about this when I read this article was I'm like, even as a parent, I would never want this because I wouldn't want, say, my last memory to be something that was completely made up. Like I if God forbid anything ever happens, like I want the memories of th- that I have not falsely created memories um, from VR interactions, which are not my kids. Like that just, I, I understand the urge that she may have to want that connection, but I just don't see how doing that could be healthy or good for you in any mental capacity. That's like the way you like that. It's just not any kind of coping mechanism. It's like those, those baby dolls. Like yes. we've, we've talked about this before, the the live the live baby things that mm-hmm. people make that are like three thousand dollars and are made to look like your children. Like I've seen people like I've looked at those and I've I've read comments and reviews and stuff for people who have lost their children and then bought these and are now clinging to this fake infant. Like that is mentally damning you. Like you are like you're you're never gonna get out of it. Like it's not you're, never gonna, you're never gonna grieve properly when you have something that can bring it back. Like you're just not like parent, not parent. Like if I, you know, if I lost my dog, I wouldn't want something like this. Like it's I don't care if it's your kid, your dad, your grandpa, your uncle, like this is not healthy. No. It's just not. I mean, as much as I understand that we all enjoy when technology expands and new things happen. This is not one of those things that technology should do. I mean, it's like it's like a Jurassic Park moment. Like they were so busy thinking if they could, they didn't think if they should. Um, I think we need to end this episode on a high note. Yes, please. <laughs> yes, please. Um, so let's get some Kentucky Fried Crocs. Oh my God. <laughs> so okay, bye. So KFC, KFC and Crocs are teaming up. Um, this will be launched in spring of this year. <laughs> Who is that to? Colonel Sanders. <laughs> okay, first. Okay, first I have Isaac Newton on here. Now I'm gonna have Colonel Sanders. This is gonna be a really weird shameless by the time we're done with this year, guys. You're all. Welcome. I'm okay with that. <laughs> that was just me being angry. Sorry, guys. Um. So yeah, so the top of the shoe, I guess, has a fried chicken print, and then the uh, the base is striped to look like a bucket of chicken. Um, each pair will come with two gibbets. Don't have no idea what those are, but they look like little like chicken drums uh, drumsticks. Um, they're made to resemble and smell like fried chicken. Oh God! Oh, that no, mixed with feet. Oh yeah. my God! No. You have to go there. 
Yeah, they're, they're the little things that like poke into the holes of Crocs. Remember how you can like design? Oh, them? oh that was okay. Yeah. I never knew that those were called gibbets. I mean, I didn't either, but I'm just making an assumption. And also, like they missed out by not calling these giblets. Oh God, I giblets. Everything. Giblets. Yeah. Why would you want shoes that smell like chicken? Why would you want anything to smell like Kentucky Fried Chicken? You want your dog to eat them? There you go. That's yeah. Oh yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Be gone about ten minutes. Yeah, I mean, Crocs shouldn't exist anyway. They should. They just should not. <laughs> they absolutely shouldn't. And these particular models also shouldn't exist. But like, I don't know. There's there's something about this. If you buy these, I swear to God, I'm going to smack you upside the head with them. Oh no, absolutely not. I mean, please, I I, I refuse to let Crocs. Mitch has anywhere. Never yeah. thought I'd say this, but Mitch has way more fashion sense than that. Good. <laughs> they, they wear Crocs. <laughs> You also not, better not, not get much more, but enough. Yeah. You enough. also better not be getting them for us for Christmas, like you said in the group chat, because you'll die. <laughs> I make zero promises there. I will bring them all here. I will hide them strategically throughout your house until everything smells like crock plastic and chicken, and then you will be very upset. <laughs> I will even cut them into tiny little chunks so you can't find them. But your whole house smells like plastic Kentucky Fried Chicken, which I think is just what Kentucky Fried Chicken smells like anyway. <laughs> <laughs> you know. There are worse smells, though. I thought we were ending on a high note, not a chicken note. <laughs> Why is there always a KFC story? I mean, well, thanks like, to... Like, are we being, are we being, like, punked? <laughs> like, someone out in the universe is, like... Colonel guys. Sanders is trolling us. Well, see, when I, when I first saw this, I was like, is this, like, an April Fool's joke? Especially since it says it's launching in spring of 2020. But, I mean, but come on. Like, if this is an April Fool's joke in February... <laughs> it's a long con. It's a, it's a very, very long con. con. Jinx, chicken. you owe me a Coke. Aw. Uh, <laughs> you were going to get hit with that bell yet. I think he's trying to get hit with the bell. I can't resist. That was glorious. Thank you so much for that. <laughs> You're welcome. So, before Matt gets shamed again, <laughs> that'll, that'll do it for this episode of The Geek Awakens. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube uh, to keep up with what's happening throughout the week. And be sure to let us know any cool things that we are missing out on. From all of us at The Geek Awakens, thanks for listening, and we hope to see you next time. Everybody say bye. Bye! bye.